It is the 200 level, my carpenter in the basement studio for what is our last podcast of 2023 and by no means the podcast I thought that we would be doing. We're just going to call this the Terrence Shannon situation because that is the big story of not just today, but really of the entire calendar year. And it is not the kind of story that we wanted to end 2023 on, but it is the kind of story that will continue to be at the top of our minds for the next few months as the rest of this basketball season continues. And then parallel tracks, you're going to be following whatever's happening with Terrence. We were driving back from Michigan on the 28th, so just a couple days ago, and I took the stretch from, let's say, Kalamazoo to Chicago, and I noticed that my text messages were starting to, the bubble was getting bigger, five, six, seven, then 12, 13, 14 text messages, and I asked Kara to open them up and see what they were saying, and the first thing that I saw was from my friend Andrew, who had joined me for the Illinois, Missouri podcast, just, I mean, God, that was just a week ago, eight days ago. And it said, Terrence Shannon, man, I don't know what to say. And that's when you're thinking, oh boy. Go on Twitter, see the news that it broke that he had been not alleged, but charged by the Lawrence County DA for rape. Now, we've seen some things with Illinois basketball in the years past. There was a really bad stretch in the John Gross era where LaRon Black used a knife or brandished a knife at the Canopy Club. There was something with Jalen Tate, though, I I forget. I think it was a sexual assault kind of thing. Uh, I shouldn't speak out of school, but it, it wasn't good. But the one I remember the most was Kendrick Nunn. That was the one that I remember the most. And at that time, I was still doing 93.5, ESPN 93.5 in the afternoon show. And it was difficult to talk about because pretty quickly, it became apparent that Kendrick had done something very bad and, and very violent and just degrading. You know, this included pouring hot water on the back of his girlfriend's head, which just sounds really debasing and and like completely dehumanizing. And certain things like that, for example, gave me that really nasty gut feeling. It made me question, well, what kind of person are we really talking about here? When is it a mistake and when is it truly malicious, awful behavior that's maybe coming from a not so great person? And this is the kind of battle that you got to deal with sometimes as a sports fan. You don't know necessarily the kinds of people that you're rooting for. And we often will turn a blind eye to the worst possibilities or the worst case scenarios Because we care that much about the team that we root for, we have so much time and energy and sometimes money invested into it that we would prefer to just be entertained and let bygones be bygones. We are pretty darn forgiving as fan bases and really as society in general. You know, a really huge example of this was Kobe Bryant, because I remember distinctly when the allegations came out. He was at, what, a Colorado resort or something like that. And he was accused of rape. And it felt like, how was Kobe ever going to overcome this? Now, I forget if he was ever exonerated or not, but it does seem like whatever he did was enough to convince the general public that, hey, he's an okay guy. That was a mistake. He just cheated on his wife and he apologized for that part of it. And I don't know if it ever went to trial or anything like that, but we are forgiving. But when you see the word rape, 
I could really probably only put murder in front of that as the absolute red flag. No, no, there's no way to negotiate around that. Rape is an extremely violent act, an extremely dehumanizing act. And the idea that this, we say kid, but young man that we've been rooting for would be capable of doing something like that, it, it kind of shook me. The rest of the drive home from Michigan, I was sort of in this weird, exist, not existential, but just really kind of odd headspace where I got to be honest, I started asking myself, why, why podcast about sports? Why follow sports? And occasionally we ask ourselves this, but usually it's after a bad loss or something. This was a little bit different. This was a situation where I was asking myself, why continue to talk about sports when you don't even know if you're really talking about halfway decent people? Now, that's a very, very cynical way to look at it because I don't think there's any higher percentage of jerks in athletics than there are many other fields. And likewise, I think there's just as many good people in athletics as there are in other fields. But it is a big business, and they do have some power on the campuses in which they play and in which they study that the average Joe student does not. So what we're going to talk about today is the Terrence situation. Off the court, on the court. It might seem secondary or almost unimportant to talk about the basketball part of it, but this is a sports podcast, so we will get to that. But there were some other thoughts I had regarding his situation in particular and how this might progress. And I will say as a somewhat, I don't know, a disclaimer, if you want to call it that, there will be times in this podcast where things might sound speculative, and that is tricky for sure. But nonetheless... There are certain things that are out there in the public sphere, in the court of public opinion, that have already circulated, and I think that they bear talking about. We'll try to do so with some caution and with the appropriate amount of, oh boy, you know, it's just even this right here, trying to trying to talk, <laughs> not in circles, but walk on eggshells and be careful with what I'm saying. We are talking about a very uncomfortable topic and I want to give it the gravity and the weight that it deserves. So I will try my best and probably stumble and flail around a bit, but here goes. Before I get too far into it, got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO. I'm on at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so give them uh, not a call, but go online. That's the easiest way to do it and order at dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he could be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, give them a call at 217-841-4728. And our furnace has been tip-top shape since they checked it in mid-November. It is not too late to make sure that before the coldest couple months of the year, your furnace is working as it should be, Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. I'm on OwenBuildersLLC.com. Check out their gallery online of all the work that they do from patios and decks to home additions. That is OwenBuildersLLC.com. All right. Champagne Showers Podcast Network as well. Appreciate them and appreciate you. 
as we wind down what was a very eventful year for Illinois sports. And I was going to do a more macro look back on 2023. But one thing I do remember from my journalism classes, timeliness and relevance. And to even bring up, hey, remember when the year started with the ReliaQuest Bowl? That's not timely nor relevant. Sometimes stories emerge where you need to focus on that and everything else kind of takes the back burner. And that's what we're going to do today is talk about the Terrence Shannon Jr. situation. Let's start with what we know. This all stemmed from the trip to Kansas, which, by the way, what a weekend from hell for Illinois Revenue Sports. Back in, what, September 8th, September 9th, Terrence Shannon, he was seen on TV. He was wearing his Johnny Newton jersey, supporting his friend. I believe Justin Harmon was there as well. A few other U of I basketball um, staff or, you know, graduate assistants, something like that might have been there. But here's the thing. It was not part of official university business. So whether that means they drove themselves or they found their own way there apart from the Illinois football team. They were not part of the official traveling party. They were there, though. And sometime during the course of this weekend, Terrence Shannon went out. And he was at a public place, presumably a bar. And I actually believe that's even what Josh Whitman said. And this is where some inappropriate touching took place. So when Josh Whitman took the, I say the stand, when he took the podium yesterday for the press conference, he talked about what the athletic department knew. And essentially, they knew not long after, after getting correspondence from the Lawrence PD, that Something had happened at this bar. They asked Terrence what happened. Terrence told them his side of the story. And there wasn't anything actionable for the U of I athletic department to move on. It does sound, at least from the press conference, that Terrence was forthright that, yeah, something happened with a female at this bar. And the term inappropriate touching used by Josh Whitman seemed to indicate that that was part of his story from the outset. I don't know if that's overly speculative, but it does seem like Terrence was at least giving the appearance of being forthright to the athletic department. And likewise, according to his attorney, to the Lawrence PD as questions came up over the intervening three months. But there was nothing in the eyes of Josh Whitman or the athletic department that they needed to act on at that point. Now, I want to pause there for a second. And ask myself, okay, in hindsight, should they have done more? And I'm having a hard time saying, yeah, they should have done more because we're talking about something that is murky and gray and fuzzy. We're talking about something where presumably alcohol was involved. We're talking about something that was being investigated by a police department anyway. So without something concrete, It's difficult for me to say, hey, Josh, why didn't you act sooner? Why didn't you suspend him? Because essentially, what you would have been suspending Terrence for, for what you knew at the time, was a random hookup at a bar, if we call it what it is, according to his side of the story, right? Three months go by. We get into December. December 5th is when the charge was filed. The charges of one, rape, and two, sexual battery. Now yet, the athletic department, according to Josh Whitman, did not find out about this until Wednesday, 
the 27th. There will be plenty of FOIA requests out there to probably determine if that is true, but I don't think it. there's anything for Josh Whitman to gain this late in the game by lying about the timeline here, the basics of the timeline, which is they found out Wednesday the 27th, they took action, they already had their their policy in place that if you are a part of any sexual assault or misconduct, you are suspended immediately. Okay, so that took part of that element of it. Terrence is not playing, he is suspended. Now, the press conference yesterday was particularly important One, just from an optics perspective, I think it was important that Josh Whitman got out there and spoke to this, looked and and sounded the part of an authority figure, someone that had control of his athletic department. And if you want to compare and contrast it, let's say, to Northwestern and their no-show AD during all of the football shenanigans in the offseason, I'd say Josh Whitman did a fantastic job overall. And I'm trying to be careful because more information could come out that would make that performance seem not so great. But for the time being, in terms of getting the information out there and communicating what the policies are, what the timeline was for the athletic department, I think it was overall a pretty darn good performance from him. And I'm having a hard time poking holes through it at the moment. And I'm trying to be on that front as objective as I can. Now, I want to pause here before I get back to what Whitman said and address an elephant in the room, a rumor that started circulating Thursday evening or Friday morning on the internet. And just by saying that, there's danger in broaching it because we don't know the true veracity of rumors and things that become sort of the unofficial narrative. Sometimes they turn out to be true and other times they turn out to be bunk. But since it is out there enough in the public sphere, in the court of public opinion, whatever you want to say, here was the gist of what started percolating through message boards and everything Thursday evening, Friday morning. There was a screenshot of text messages that essentially said, oh, from a friend in the state's attorney's office, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe, maybe not. But this put forth a narrative that Terrence Shannon was at a bar during the Illinois-Kansas football weekend. Something happened, not intercourse, but something happened with a female. And that this is what sort of turned into the rape and sexual battery charges that he's facing now. There were some other details in there which have not been, were not echoed by anything that Josh Whitman said. Things along the lines of, well, he was wearing a football jersey. So because he misrepresented himself, That's part of the the rape charge. There's nothing that Josh Whitman said yesterday to indicate that that was part of Terrence's account or anything the athletic department was going with. But I wanted to get that out there because this rumor that started online, its veracity was somewhat proven when Josh Whitman, not that long into his press conference, mentioned that this stems from an incident at a bar in public with inappropriate touching. And you might ask yourself, how does that constitute rape? In the state of Kansas, it does not need to be intercourse for it to qualify as rape. And in fact, I don't even know if, sorry for the semantics here, but if penetration necessarily has to be part of it either. Inappropriate touching without consent 
could be considered rape according to Kansas law. And here we find ourselves today with Terrence facing a rape charge. I'm going to pivot quickly to and try to do this with as much candor as I can. I have two pits in my stomach about this, and one of them has been there from the get-go. That first pit in the stomach has been, what kind of people am I rooting for? Am I rooting for someone that might actually be a bad guy? And even after yesterday with what Josh Whitman said, and even with the internet rumors, there is a distinct possibility that as information comes out, that whatever evidence the prosecution has, we find out that Terrence did in fact do something really heinous that night. That pit in my stomach has been there since I saw the, the headline on Twitter that this all-American candidate, best Illinois basketball player since, well, Io easily, someone that was leading this team to some special things, or so it appeared, was facing almost as bad of a charge as one could ever face. Who am I rooting for? Why am I rooting for them? There's an identity crisis that kind of goes along with that. Like, why even bother rooting for people you don't know? Because there's a chance they might be complete <clears throat> and total jerks. That pit in the stomach remains because we simply don't know the full story. There is another pit in my stomach. And this has to do not so much with victim or perpetrator or, or the standard black and white ways that we view sexual interactions on campuses. You know, we live in a country where the overall attitudes towards sex are often based in a very puritanical sort of thing. And I'm not going to get too sociological, but let's just put it this way. America and its puritanical roots, we're still kind of sifting through the wreckage of that in the ways that we deal and talk about sexual issues. And what that can lead to, unfortunately, are many sexual assaults, rapes, a lot of men that are not sure how to handle these very complicated feelings because we are a country and a culture that while we sexualize a lot of things, we don't really talk or try to understand it. We, we just don't. So this pit in my stomach on the other side of it is because I remember myself in college with people I know and people that I'm still friends with, guys and girls alike, the myriad of experiences that they faced some truly scary, some just weird and awkward and messy. Where I worry that something far more nuanced that might have taken place in Kansas on September 9th now has the label rape. Which is a label that is very difficult to wash off. No matter who you are and no matter what the facts ultimately end up being. I should probably say before going any further, my overriding interest is not exonerate Terrence. My overriding interest is let's see the facts. And if he's guilty, he deserves whatever punishment is levied against him. 
let's see the facts. And if he's not guilty, then he deserves to go about his life from that point forward. But in the messiness that is college hookups and drunken, potentially, college hookups, and knowing that from all the people I went to school with, there wasn't a single one of them that didn't face these weird gray areas. How many of them were acting out towards someone else with malice, with the intent to hurt or forcefully intimidate or all the other language that goes in with rape? Again, it's a series of an accusation, and in this case, a charge, because he has been charged for this crime. It is not merely an accusation or allegation anymore. And that is worth noting. But it just seems to me like the pit in my stomachs, the two of them are, oh my God, what if Terrence is a monster? And the other one is, boy, if this is something that happened in public at a bar and inappropriate touching is the thing that is just sort of, you know, in flashing red lights, how do we get to rape from there? And that is something that we might find out. I understand that there's almost a gross speculative nature to what I'm doing. It could be interpreted as such. And I want to be, again, clear that I'm not saying that Terrence is guilty or innocent. I'm certainly not saying that the accuser is lying. Because in these situations, in the crazy spectrum that is sexual interactions on a college campus, the feelings that one may have after the fact can be very genuine, regardless of whatever the intent of the perpetrator was, right? Malicious intent or no malicious intent at all. Someone can still feel like, whoa, I've been had, I've been a victim. So I want to be conscientious of that too, that there are two sides to this. It just felt like yesterday during Josh Whitman's performance, performance, that sounds cynical, but during his 20-minute opening monologue, his prepared statement, and then all the questions he answered, it seemed like he was being very careful to both say, we're going to let this process play out. But in so many words say that we also support Terrence. Even to the point where he called him TJ more than once. Not just Mr. Shannon, so it wasn't impersonal. Terrence was used in the name, and then even TJ. That could seem as if I'm reading too much into this and I'm trying to find subtext where there is no subtext. But to me, Josh Whitman came out. He talked about the timeline. He talked about the policy, why Terrence was suspended, and what could happen next. But when he spoke about Terrence Shannon, the person, the tenor did not drastically change. And when Josh Whitman, and I paraphrase here, But when he says we were essentially very surprised at the findings that came back or at the charge that came back, not the findings, because I don't know if they know what those are yet, the charge that came back from Lawrence, if they were surprised by it, it tells me that the charge far exceeds what they thought Terrence was going to get. Maybe they thought it'd be lewd behavior, right? Could be. Lewd behavior in a public place, if such a thing is on the books. 
maybe it would have gotten all the way to a misdemeanor of a sexual assault, or in this case, like it is, sexual battery. But there is no way, and call this speculative, but I find it very hard to believe that Josh Whitman or anyone in the DIA or Brad Underwood or Terrence Shannon Jr. thought that a rape charge was coming. And yet it did. This is messy, and there are gray areas, and more than anything, there's more we don't know than we know. And with a court appearance on January 18th, maybe we will learn more. I think for me, we're in that weird spot where do we or don't we talk about it, even with that little information. And I I think the overriding thing that I, I still am unable to shake is having been to (laughs) the dark and seedy basement of C.O. Daniels or the dark and seedy back room of Clybourne's and seeing what you see in a college campus on a weekend, no less, on a football weekend, no less. I I just worry, not necessarily just for Terrence and the accuser, but for many other people in similar situations. I don't think young people are really equipped all the time to really know the ramifications and the consequences and all the ins and outs of sexual interactions. And what it ultimately leads to sometimes, boy, it runs the gamut from acting out in a very violent way, like the amount of sexual assault and rapes on campus. I know those numbers way too high. And it's sickening. Why do these continue to happen? Why are we unable to put a dent into that and actually make positive change? I I think a big reason is that this country is still reckoning with long ago attitudes towards sexual interactions. And when you get 18 to 22, or in this case, Terrence 23, in these situations, unfortunately, some very uncomfortable all the way to some very damaging things can take place. I know that might sound way too macro for a sports podcast, but it there's something that just pains me having been at those U of I bars, which can't be that different from the Kansas ones. And if anything, my overriding thought is, boy, I'm glad I'm not young anymore. I don't mean that in some sort of, you know, here, I want to address this real quick. I worry that what I say here could be interpreted as an anti-Me Too thing. You know, the Me Too movement, for example, which started, what, four or five years ago, Harvey Weinstein being the first big, big shoe to drop in that whole Me Too movement. It was a valuable moment because it, it brought about a reckoning that we had not yet dealt with, that many people in power were using those positions to leverage sexual gratification from people that didn't have much of a choice. So the Me Too movement in totality was a positive thing. I know that some people would view this as, well, here's a first-round NBA draft pick, and he is going to be a marked man because of that potential power and because of that earnings potential. And maybe that's true. I'm not so worried about that as much as I am the fact that in what was already a really complicated landscape 
for young people trying to navigate sexual experiences that now how how do they know what the hell to do and that is going to unfortunately lead to a lot of awkward and damaging interactions i can't say that that's what happened here because we don't know all of the facts but boy oh boy am i glad i'm not young and am i glad that i'm not perusing the college bar scene having to try and, and avoid all the pitfalls and minefields that were there to begin with. And I do think are exacerbated by a culture that just, just doesn't know how to handle this stuff and young people that don't know how to handle this stuff. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I think it's me myself trying to figure out, okay, um, what would happen? Like, how would I deal with it if a friend of mine were accused of something like this? And I'm talking to that friend and they say, well, here's what happened. And inappropriate touching, whatever that means, was the basis of their story from the outset. And then three months later, I find out that friend got a rape charge. I, that's a lot to kind of sift through. And... I think what I might do is leave that there for now because to go forward and continue to talk about it from that angle would, one, be beating a dead horse, and two, there it, it veers into speculation, and maybe you might have interpreted all that as mere speculation. Uh, it, it just, it, it truly does trouble me, though. Not I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to, if I had kids, how much more uncomfortable I'd be feeling knowing that I'm about to send my daughter to a college campus? Or what conversations am I going to have with my son about how you handle yourself in these situations? And, and what, what does it mean to be a gentleman, to be a good man in this day and age? I mean, I'm a sixth grade teacher, and I'm trying to figure out how to impart certain things to the students in my class that are years away for fingers crossed, years away from having to deal with that kind of stuff. They at least have a few more years just to be kids and not worry about that. But where adolescence meets young adulthood is where a lot of not so good things happen. And sometimes there are monsters out there that prey on that. True predators and awful people. Or maybe not so awful people that have awful tendencies and behaviors. I can't say that Kendrick Nunn is an awful person, but I can say that when I heard that he poured hot water on the back of his ex-girlfriend's head, I thought, what the hell is that? That's truly disturbing stuff. And to bring it back into the, how do you root for these guys? I remember thinking, kick them off the damn team. This isn't difficult. I would imagine that if we went back and found the audio, and I, I don't know how to dig it up, but TNJ Show 2015 or whatever year that was, I'm pretty sure that from the outset I was pretty adamant about that. There's something about this that at the moment doesn't sit right. A few things about it that don't sit right. On a macro and a micro level, that has me anxious to see what information comes out. And to be clear, 
I'm willing to accept any of those. If information comes out that proves that Terrence was acting in a very inappropriate and predatory fashion that night, guess what? You got to pay the price. And it is true, like Josh Whitman said yesterday, that basketball is completely secondary to that. Not nearly as important as the situation. I mean, that's the understatement of the century right there. The game last night, as fun as it was, and we'll touch on it maybe a little bit, but you saw it. It was, it was fun. But in the back of everybody's mind, of course, was this very big and very serious story. Now, going forward, what can we expect? Josh Whitman said that there is a three-person panel that will decide whether or not Terrence will stay suspended or not. Now, Terrence can ask them to delay that hearing. If he feels like more evidence might come forward that he can use, he would say, okay, well, let's wait and let's, could we do this in a few weeks? And maybe he's going to ask to do that after the first court appearance on January 18th. They also, and this has been conflicting information, it sounded like once they make a decision after that, it's final, but then I think Josh Whitman clarified that if new information were to come to light, they could reconvene and make another decision based on that information. When you get into situations like this, and if we're being honest, when you get into situations where there is money at stake, and college sports is a big money business, things will come out. They will. And we need to be prepared for anything that might come out that could challenge whatever narratives we've already seen or whatever narratives we're building up in our head. I mean, I'm not going to tell anyone, just stop right now and don't have any preconceived notions. It is human nature to have preconceived notions, but it is different if you begin acting on them or immediately calling someone innocent or guilty as a result. The cliche of innocent until proven guilty, I'm willing to grant that to Terrence. I will say that whatever gut feeling I had about Kendrick Nunn in the immediate after, aftermath of that story, I'm not getting that right now about Terrence. Now, gut feelings don't mean a hell of a lot. But it just seems, reading between the lines of how Josh Whitman talked to the media yesterday and Brad Underwood talked to the media yesterday, they seemed rather confident that they did everything correctly. And as much as I understand, they are operating a big budget, Big Ten basketball program and athletic department. And their interest would gravitate towards them protecting Terrence Shannon, right? I mean, their interest would gravitate towards that. Their own jobs would be on the line if they were to not take these things seriously and downplay them from the start, if this was, in fact, a rape. They could play dumb. I get that. But if Terrence is convicted of this, that comes right back to the athletic department that let him play 11 games. So would they really be a willing, I should say, to risk that as an athletic director and a basketball coach, would they be willing to potentially risk their own livelihoods by believing the account of their All-American basketball player? Now, 
you might answer that in the affirmative or the negative. There are arguments to be made for both. And we've seen other coaches and athletic directors turn a blind eye to things before. Josh Whitman seems like a man of integrity. I've met him a few times, but I can't speak to what even a person of integrity would do in a situation like this. Call me naive, but I tend to believe that Josh Whitman, I think, will gravitate towards doing the right thing. Or I should say, gravitate towards doing things by the book. Brad Underwood, who, hey, he's a basketball coach. He's got to sell his program. I think even before NIL, Brad Underwood knew how to play ball. There are certain things that I know he's probably willing to turn a blind eye to. But to his credit, I don't think there's been anything like remotely close to this since he took over like there was at the end of the John Gross era. If there was, I guess it was just swept under the rug. Hell, we forget the Darius Paul thing back in 2015. <laughs> Darius Paul, Leron Black, Kendrick Nunn, Jalen Tate. That was a pretty rough two-year stretch for John Gross. We haven't seen that from Brad Underwood, so... For all the areas in which it gets a little bit gray with maybe his pre-NIL recruiting and things like that, you know what? There's nothing to indicate to this point that he lacks integrity with off-the-court issues. If I were to say innocent until proven guilty for both the AD and the basketball coach and for Terrence Shannon Jr., guess what that makes me sound like? My Twitter moniker, a fanboy. And the tricky thing in navigating this is being fair and trying to balance, oh yeah, sure, I'd like to see Terrence back out on the court with, wait a second, what's the right thing? Here's the right thing. You do have to suspend him. Until you get more information, he can't be playing, he can't be on the bench, he can't be practicing with them. Now he's got an attorney. You probably have your own ways as an athletic department to gather evidence figure out from your compadres and Lawrence what might have happened, what does the prosecution have. I, I would, would assume that when the charges come through, that Terrence and his attorney now have all the evidence that the prosecution amassed over the last three months. And I, got the, I bet they have a very busy weekend pouring through that right now. But the right thing was to suspend him. And they did that the minute that they heard of the charges. If they had heard about them earlier, we will learn about that in FOIA request, and then that would be a major problem for Josh Whitman and Brad Underwood. But at the moment, if that timeline is accurate, okay, everything seems to be above board from their end. Going forward, the panel is going to have to see probably something overwhelming in Terrence's favor to lift that suspension. I don't know what that would be, I don't know what smoking gun he could use to say, guess what? It wasn't rape. It wasn't sexual battery. Here's what it was. I don't know what that would be. But he would probably need something pretty dramatic to get the suspension lifted. And what that means for this team is that in the interim, they're going to be very different. They look pretty good against Fairley Dickinson. They really did. And I, I think that this team will win quite a few games, even without Terrence, because the Big Ten is rather weak, and I think they still have enough weapons. And I don't question their ability to play hard and defend and rebound. And that's more than half the battle. 
in a conference like the Big Ten. Oh, and they still have some guys that can score. Sure, they're going to have a hard time winning at Purdue, and they would have even if Terrence was around. And there's going to be other games that are just going to be really challenging and much more challenging now that you don't have an All-American out there scoring 30 a game if he really wanted to. But from a basketball perspective, I think they'll be fine. The question will be, one, is there anything that comes out in the interim that can prove Terrence did not do this? And two, is there anything in a timely fashion that can get him back on the court? I'm operating under the assumption that Terrence will not be back on the court this year. He's got a bigger life thing that he needs to contend with. And if it is, in fact, going to go to trial, then that would probably be after this basketball season is over with. But the legal system in this country, while the wheels of justice turn very slowly, sometimes things pop up. Deals are struck, who knows? And I'm guessing that his attorney is probably one of those hotshot guys. I don't know much about him, but he probably knows the ins and outs of these things and is looking for an end game. Certainly, the initial statement from the attorney was not not guilty, but Terrence is innocent. Sure, that's common for attorneys, but it was strongly worded nonetheless. So, as we sit here ending 2023, I don't know how eloquently I, I stated my thoughts here because they're pretty conflicted. And there is truly genuine pits in my stomach for, one, the notion that, yes, we do occasionally root for people that would do bad things, right? The worst case scenario here is that Terrence did something very, very bad, very malicious and wrong. And then from a personal perspective, you can't help but ask, well, why do I bother rooting for these people when they could do something like this? And then the other pit in the stomach, as I mentioned, is just the complexities and the confusion and the weirdness that go along with how young people have to navigate this stuff. How females need to constantly be on guard or so they, they feel that need to always kind of have their head on a swivel. That's a reality that I didn't have to deal with when I was 18 to 22 at the U of I, and I know that the female students I went to school with, they did. They had to contend with things that I never had to. And then I can speak to a male perspective that the waters are, are muddier now than ever as to what constitutes okay behavior. And it just leaves me with a sort of exasperated uh, sigh and level of gratitude that I don't need to navigate that anymore because I think I do fine. And I know things that I wouldn't do specifically, you know, go out of my way to hurt someone or be predatory or, you know, these things that equate to rape and sexual assault. That stuff seems foreign to me. But all the other things that can, that can really just make these situations so awkward and messy, I just feel for these younger people that 
that's the reality on basically every college campus. And that if you do choose to go out to the bars and, and you want to have a good time, if you're a female, you need to worry about your safety. And if you're a male, you have to be very cautious about how you act. And that that's overall probably a really good thing. Uh, but it's just something that uh, I think is further exacerbated by this country's really weird relationship based on puritanical ideals to start with and how we over-sexualize everything on TV. We have this really weird dichotomy about how we deal with sex. And this just seems like symptomatic of that larger thing. I, I wish the accuser, the possible victim of this, I wish her peace, and I hope that whatever happened that night isn't some level of trauma that she won't be able to reconcile with and deal with as her life goes on. And sure, part of me hopes for Terrence's sake that he just didn't do it. Straight up did not do that. I can't say that he did or didn't. I know what I hope. I hope that he didn't do it, which also, in the case of the accuser, that would be good news that, okay, well, he didn't do that thing, so let's, let's find another way to work through whatever she may be dealing with. But God dang, it's, it's twisted, and it's icky. And I don't know how well I did talking about it, and if it was a little bit awkward or ham-fisted, I, I apologize did not anticipate spending the last podcast of 2023 talking about rape and sexual assault. But it is a reality, and it is an all-too-common reality, and it is impacting something we talk about here in the podcast and something you spend a lot of time and energy on, and it does put things, cliche as it sounds, in perspective. So as hokey as this may sound, I really just wish for the best possible outcomes for all parties. I know that sounds like so hokey, but if we were to say, well, what is the best possible outcome? That's where I'm going to add one more hokey thing, justice. And as more information comes out, we'll be able to make a much better, uh, a much better determination as to what happened and, and what the consequences should be. All right, everybody. I hope you have a great New Year's Eve and a great New Year's. I, I did question a few times, like, should I keep doing this thing? Because it really was just a crusher. Um, to see news like that come across on the 27th, or the 28th, excuse me. It was a crusher. And I thought, man, I got to take a break. I got to take a break. But listen, sleep on it, wake up, realize I do love talking about Illinois sports. I don't necessarily love talking about this, but it's what needs to be talked about. And I'm excited on January 2nd when Illinois plays Northwestern at home to do a second half pod right here in the studio. So we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep doing this. For the little bit of basketball that I will talk about, this team, I thought last night against Fairleigh Dickinson, showed up and played wonderfully. I think Ty Rogers is really coming along Quincy Guerrier, despite some turnover issues, 
continues to play at a very high level. Justin Harmon shows that he can be a, a microwave of sorts. Damask, late in the game, started hitting some shots, and he was great defensively, rebounding and assist-wise. You know, oh, Coleman, quietly good. I, I think this is still a team that can finish top five in the Big Ten without Terrence. I really do. I still think they're a tournament team without Terrence. I don't know if Terrence comes back or not, but I will enjoy this group for what they are. And it's not anything like, oh, let's rally around these guys because they have a teammate accused of... No, I'm not going to do that. And I don't want, and I really hope that media, whether it be local or national, don't turn this into, oh, they're dealing with adversity. I mean, in a way they are, but in another way... Let's let that those narratives be separate because there's just something icky about, hey, they're winning one for their teammate that's no longer there because he was accused of this. I don't want to do that. But let's just focus on the games that they play. And I'm sure that the other storyline about Terrence and what's going on in Lawrence, Kansas, that will continue to be at the top of mind as well. So we will be back on January 2nd. Second half reaction for Illinois Northwestern. Before we get out of here, I want to thank our sponsors, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. For home, uh, excuse me patios decks and home additions there we go luke owen and his staff are experts so check out a gallery of their work online at owenbuildersllc.com for champagne showers podcast network for you the listener we will be back on youtube as well for the january 2nd uh podcast second half i just want to do this into the microphone and try to somehow be as lucid with my thoughts as i could not sure how well i did but i hope that however much you enjoyed this podcast you have a great rest of your year And I hope as you look back, 2023, despite a very up and down year for Illinois Revenue Sports, certainly was not boring. (laughs) And hopefully 2024 will bring more good news, not just to Illinois sports, but also to to your life, to the ones that you love and care about. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best in the new year. Thanks again for listening. I, I really appreciate it and love doing this. And we will talk to you all in just a few days in 2024. It is the 200 level.